Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. standing as we were worshiping before I heard a cry I heard a cry in the spirit from some of you saying God I need you I heard a cry from your spirit saying there's got to be more there's got to be more I heard the cry of your spirit saying Holy Spirit fill me and overflow me and as I heard this cry from your heart going to heaven, this is what I heard the Spirit of God cry from heaven to you. He said, I want my church back. The Holy Spirit said, I want my church back. I want, I want my church back where I can do what I want to do. Not what man thinks should happen. But I want my church back so the life of the Spirit can... The kingdom can be revealed. I don't know if you can hear that cry, but I've heard it now for a year or two and it's getting stronger. I heard it again very strong tonight. And he said, your cry to him and his cry for his church meet and that's where his kingdom is revealed. Through your lives. Oh God, just do it. Show us how to do it, Lord. Show us how to respond. The Spirit of God is saying, I want my church back. And he cries out and says, I will have my way. And I will show you how to walk in my ways. Oh, God. Roger and Daphne, could you just come forward for a minute? As we were worshipping, the Lord just showed me, some of you don't know Roger and Daphne, they've been missionaries in India for many years. Many years. Some of you have been over and preached with them. Dawn's been over there and others. I haven't preached with them, but I've been to the area in Gujarat twice now where they've ministered for many years. While we worship, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, I'm going to give you strength. You've had great spiritual strength. I'm going to give you physical, mental, emotional strength. You might think you're semi-retired. But I hear your voice echoing across the nations that Jesus is Lord. I see you writing. I, I see you writing a book about your story that's going to impact a whole lot of people's lives and you'll be writing and continuing to interpret and translate more stuff it's not over yet I hear your voice echoing out across the nations and he will give you strength so that your voice will be as strong as it's ever been your natural mind say, I'm getting a bit older and a bit weaker, but I see your voice. Regardless of what's happening in the rest of your being, I see your spirit and voice stronger than ever. 
come pull back, step forward. Holy Ghost, let it be. Let the fire, let the fire, fire of your spirit just burn in them, Lord. Let strength, strength be in their bodies and in their voices, oh God. God, in their spirit, that the hallelujahs will ring out, that the power of God will continue to fly. For my name is on your lips. It's in your heart. There are yet thousands to be filled with the Spirit and one into the kingdom through your lives. In Jesus' name. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Oh, let it be. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Robert and your lovely wife, Brenda. Come on out here. This is an amazing, lovely couple. I've been with Errol how many years now? Forever? Okay. I wasn't going to say that, but the pastor can say that. I just see you as just a beautiful, gentle, godly couple that have walked a journey of blessing and challenge. But as we were worshipping, I saw the Holy Spirit calling you and I saw you taking a bigger step forward. And within you, you something think, well, what have I got to offer? I actually saw you taking step when I saw God behind you pushing you forward. Because you just sort of think, well, I'll just be the support. We'll just, we'll just there be behind our pastor. We'll be there just supporting. And you're just amazing at that. But I see God saying it's time for you to continue to do that. But God's going to get you to take bigger steps and speak with greater authority. And your life experience is adding to the weight of your authority. Because out of that which has tried to crush you comes a beautiful oil of life that's going to open up other hearts. And instead of it pushing you down or back, I see it pushing you forward and up. That's what the hand of God is doing today. Oh God, just bless this precious couple. Lord, as you lead them forward and up, let, refresh them tonight. Lord, just anoint them afresh with your Holy Spirit fire. Let it burn within them, Father. Oh, let it burn within their hearts, Lord. Oh, that precious oil of your Spirit that just refreshes and releases and overwhelms their hearts, oh God. Let it overflow right now, Lord, your life, your life. Oh, Jesus, just your beautiful life. I thank you for Robert giving him boldness and courage to step up and speak out and to preach and declare with authority that which burns quietly in his heart. But I see it erupting into a, a storm, a strength of power in Jesus' name. Oh, oh, just pour it in right now, Father. Oh, oh. People are going to look in 12 months and say, what has changed? You're just stepping into a larger place of kingdom authority. Lord, just touch Brenda. Lord, those things that have tried to crush you, you will overwhelm with your love tonight. Heal her soul right now. God, that disappointment is off her soul. Discouragement has no place because her heart is so full of your presence. Oh, just restore. Restore in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Shane Wallace. Where's Shane from Roma? Come on down.
I'm going to speak on prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit in a minute. So the Holy Spirit said, if you're going to speak on it, you've got to demonstrate it. Yeah. You ever notice that when you're going to preach a sermon, you have to live it before and after? That's the challenge of being a pastor because you're preaching a new message every week. So it means you're forever going into or coming out of a message that you've got to live. That's Shane. Shane comes from Roma. I know Shane, but not real well. His uh, folks were in our church. His cousins were in our church. But this is what I saw, Shane. You were out at Roma. And I saw a picture of those, I don't know what you call them, but they come out of the ground where the gas is underground. And there's gases and they light them on the top and the fire just keeps on burning. I don't know what you call them, but they're burning off the excess gas. And they burn day and night, 24-7, for years, because they'll keep burning while the gas is still coming. And I saw you're like that. God is going to put a fire in your heart. And I see your voice echoing out across those plains. It's going to echo out across those plains. It's going to reach people that think they're in little towns and they're neglected and forgotten by the world and by the cities and by the government but they're not forgotten by God and God's placed you there and you understand how their world ticks. And I saw this flame and at times you think and other people think, if I burn that bright, I'm going to burn out. But no, there's an everlasting eternal supply of that fire of the Holy Ghost and that fuel will just increase and increase. And sometimes you've looked at yourself and compared and said, well, I don't have what the big churches have and, and I don't have all those resources. But the Spirit of God says, you've got the most important thing. That's the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I'm teaching you how to live in the power of that. And that which you've dreamed of and seen others have, God says, you can have that in Roma. You think, well, that's only for big churches or big cities. God says, I will give you what you need with a fire and an echo that will go across those plains that will go and go and go and it will catch everyone that it goes over the top of and it will pick them up and reveal kingdom to them. You'll have people starting to come to your church and they'll say, how did you get here? And they say, we just heard. They're not even going to be sure how they heard, but they're going to hear that they can find life with you and with the people of your church. God, enlarge this. Let that church increase rapidly. As he grows big on the inside, his church has grown big on the outside. Oh, God, just refresh Shane today. In the name of Jesus. And all your children will be taught of the Lord and will walk in the ways of God. Anoint him, Father. Just let it flow right now, Lord. Just reach up to heaven for a moment right across this place. I want to share a really important thing right now. As I've been prophesying these words, when I was about 19, I was in a meeting in Nambour, AIG. We had a prophet there from America. He prophesied for about five hours over nearly anyone in this crowd of hundreds of people. I remember about a half hour into the prophecies, I was out there catching, just so hungry to be near the fire. And he said this word, he says, whenever a prophetic word's coming for a person or a couple, don't become a spectator because if you stay engaged and reaching up, you'll get the overflow of every prophecy. And I've never forgotten that. So when a word's coming with someone, all of a sudden, oh, that's powerful, that's for me. 
take it because I learned to always be a involved and get the overflow of a prophetic word for someone else. God's okay about that. Some of it will just strike and say, that's where I'm at. That's mine. And I've done that for the last 40 years and it's kept me engaged and filling up and overflowing regularly whenever there's a prophetic word or ministry happening. Don't ever become a spectator. Become a participator right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. And Shane, I see you preaching very powerful sermons. They're going to be burst in the fire of your heart. You might say, well, I haven't done all that Bible college stuff and I'm not real good at putting these sermons together, but there's going to be a fire A fire come, and it's going to come with such weight of clarity and authority that people say, where did you get that from? And you say, from the Spirit of God. One other one before we go. Rob and Linda, come on out here. Rob and Linda pastor a church at Grenville, which is two and a half hours north of Canberra. Whoa. As we're worshiping, I, it's dangerous for me to look around when I'm worshiping this atmosphere because I just, as soon as I see something, God gives me a word from. I saw you guys out plowing, plowing in the fields. It was hot and dry and dusty and the ground was hard. And the other farmers say, what are you plowing for? There's no rain, it's too dry. I said, I'm plowing because I know the rain's coming. I saw you plowing, plowing. You plowed up hundreds of hectares of land. Next scene, I see you planting and it still hasn't rained. And the farmer's saying, what are you doing? It hasn't rained yet. You wait for the rain to come if you plant. He says, no, you know the rain's coming. So you're planting. And you're not just planting a bit of seed. You're planting five times as much seed that's needed for that paddock. You're just triple dosing it. Next scene I see, you standing on the side and praying over the seed you planted. And the rain starts to come. And it comes. And the rain comes. And it comes. And then the... Ah, the crops grow, and the last scene I saw is you harvesting this amazing harvest. And the other saying, how did that all happen? Because you just kept walking by faith when others said it's not the right time to do it yet. You just said, well, we're doing it anyway because God's told me. You're going to plow more, plant more, and harvest more than many others around you that have got more skill and gift because you just said, I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit tells me. God, anoint them with your fire right now. Oh, God, let the power of your Spirit touch this precious couple. And I see you doing it together. I see you doing it together in the Spirit of God. And those voices that have come against you, don't worry about those condescending voices saying, that's not the way to do it. Don't listen to them. Listen to the Spirit of God because I will lead you And I will bring the harvest. I am the Lord of the harvest. I'm the Lord of the harvest. And I'll show you where to plant, where to plow, where to plant, where to sow, and where to reap. And you've sown in tears and you'll reap with great joy. Great joy. And the Lord's going to send those that you need to help get the job done. Because you think about it and think, wow, I'm already working 24-7. How on earth am I going to do all that? The Lord says, I'm going to send the people that you need to get the job done. Don't worry. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Let's take our seats. Thank you for being patient. Thanks, worship team, for your ministry and anointing. And I just love our church and I love our worship team because they're so passionate. They are just so passionate.
for Jesus. Like I said this afternoon, you're a door opener. And if you're the most passionate worshiper in your church, whether you can sing well or not, it's not about that. It's what comes out of your spirit. Then God will raise up others to do what you can't. I want to share some things tonight on keys of prophetic ministry and the gifts of the spirit. Now, you don't hear a lot of sermons today on it, but let me tell you, I've been preaching this for 40 years. Hopefully, I'm getting a bit wiser and a bit better at it, but this burns in my heart. I'm going to share some practical stuff tonight, also some inspirational stuff, and you'll have your own stories. Tomorrow, we're in some of our sessions, we'll be doing some breakout sessions and question and time for ministry to one another, so that'll be happening tomorrow. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters... I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Wow. That's a command, not a suggestion. So we need to teach our people. We need to be aware ourselves to know how to know about and move in and live in the gifts of the Spirit. Otherwise, we're being disobedient to the Word of God. How long is it since you've done a series on the gifts of the Spirit or taught on anything on prophetic ministry? For some of us, we'd have to say it's years. Rod and Lynette, they're already doing it every Sunday night in their church, so they're right in the middle of this. You don't have to do it every week, but you just need to put that into your regular flow somewhere along the line. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, let's move on. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that same one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. See, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts, and He wants His church back, so He wants us to use the gifts He's given us. Don't bury them. To whom much is given, much is required. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you move in these ministry gifts, don't bury them. Use them multiply them equip and train others that's what it means to be pentecostals to let that spirit flow let's go over to 1 corinthians 14 verses 1 to 5 follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit especially prophecy once again this is a command not a suggestion i talked to some pastor and say oh i don't really move in the gifts of the spirit much I think, well, haven't you read 1 Corinthians 14.1? It says, eagerly desire it. We eagerly desire His presence. We eagerly desire to be uh, great teachers and communicators of the Word. All those things are great. To love people, to impact our communities. Well, this is something God says, I want you to eagerly desire. In other words, pray about it. Seek after it. Hunger for it. When I was uh, young in the church, I used to... I'd be the catcher. At, whenever anyone was prophesying, whether it was an evangelist or a pastor or a preacher or a minister, I would be at the front as close as I could because I wanted to catch the overflow all the time. And as this guy's moving along prophesying, someone else is praying and moving in words of knowledge and people getting healed, I said, God, that's one day I'm going to do that. 
one day I'm going to do that. And I'd be saying that all the way along. One day I'm going to do that. I just had this hunger in my heart. And that was when I was 19, 20, 21. And just, it's just continued to increase. I still haven't seen anywhere near what I'd love to see. But I see a lot more than I would have if I hadn't have had that hunger. And to press after it. And it comes in season. Sometimes you really go after it. But if you don't have that happening often in your church or don't have ministries through that release that, it's not going to stir up that passion. Every time I have a guest ministry through, every time I have someone that's moving in another realm of the spirit than I am, it stirs it up inside of me. It stirs it up in the people in your church. That's why it's so powerful. So it goes on and says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So the basic reason for the prophetic gift is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. And that's, that's where I started. Just to encourage. I, I'm an exhorter by nature. So I'm always looking for finding some way to encourage. And I found one of the most powerful ways is to get a prophetic word that goes right to the heart of the matter and people just get so encouraged and inspired. I've met people 10 or 20 years later and they say, do you remember that time you preached at that youth camp? And I'm trying to scratch my head and remember, oh yeah, I remember being there. They say, remember that word you had for me? And I'm thinking, well, I remember praying for a whole lot of young people at that camp. They said, you know the one? I said, well, tell me, tell me what happened. Some of them I can remember because they're so distinctive. They'll tell me what happened. And they'll say, do you know what? I've had some tough times in life, but that one word has kept me going for Jesus. I thought, wow, you never know the power because it encourages. It can bring comfort. Sometimes you can be so overwhelmed and you bring a word that, hey, God's with you. And he's going to turn the dark things into a place of blessing. That's a comforting word that can just give them wind in their sails to go another few weeks to come out the other side. It's very powerful. So it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Then it goes on. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Wow, that's a pretty good reason to speak in tongues. You build yourself up. Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues... For your personal prayer language, to me, is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Because it goes past your natural mind. I remember when I, was, I got born again, the day I finished grade 12, and four months later, at the Beth Shan camp here at Harvey Bay, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I think John Lewis was preaching. He was a youth pastor back then and preaching. <laughs> That's a few years ago. And uh, I remember I got filled with the Holy Spirit on a Sunday night. I was so desperate. I'd been seeking God for four months to get filled with the Spirit because I was brought up in a Pentecost church. I knew how it should work, but my head was getting in the way of my heart. I was so desperate. I said, Lord, I'm not leaving this camp until I get filled with the Holy Spirit. So it was a Sunday night, last meeting. I thought, God, it's got to happen tonight. So I refused to leave the altar until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Spoke just a few syllables and a few words. And someone said, just keep speaking what you've spoken. Within a week, I had a fluent language and it changed my prayer life, changed my worship life, and, and you just have never stopped since. I, I don't know how I would do ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking, because it edifies, it builds you up. 
I explain it sometimes when I'm praying for people, they get filled with the Spirit, and I say, look, it's like, it's like your mobile phone. You use it all day, you've got to plug it in overnight, and it gets charged up. The picture of Jude 20, you build yourself, you get charged up. It's like plugging your phone in. It's like plugging your spirit in and getting recharged. And you pray without your mind in the way. Because I don't know about you, but we get our mind in the way when we're praying. We're thinking, we start to numb it down. Think, oh, I need to believe for that. Then his mind says, oh, no, you can't really believe. So we settle for this sort of prayer. When you pray in the spirit, it just goes all out. Your mind and soul's not in the way to block what your spirit is crying out to God for. That's why it's such an incredibly powerful gift. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Wow. Probably, probably one of the secrets of his powerful life and that revelation he had of an open heaven. Put those two together, I think that's what kept Paul going all of his life. And so it builds, he edifies us. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Now, he's obviously talking about public meetings here. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. We're talking to Josh over dinner time about there's been a lot of confusion, even in Pentecostal circles, about where speaking in tongues fits in because 1 Corinthians 14 appears to be a little bit contradictory until someone explained this to me so clearly years ago and it just settled the argument. To me, it's very clear that there's two expressions or aspects of speaking in tongues. There's clearly a personal prayer language where you pray and worship and build yourself up. Then there is the public utterance of tongues and someone else interprets, which has a similar effect as a prophecy. God will sometimes get someone to speak in tongues, someone else interpret, and that comes, it brings a message from God which is similar to a prophecy in their known language. He's very clearly saying, and when you're in a public meeting, if everyone's just speaking in tongues out loud all the time, no one else is going to be blessed because you are getting yourself built up. But you need preaching, teaching, and prophesying their own language to really help communicate to bless the others. Some pastors, even Pentecostal pastors, have misunderstood that and banned speaking in tongues in public meetings based on that. It's very clear when you read the rest of the chapter that that's not what Paul was intending and yet I've heard guys preach that and I think where did you get that from they've put it all into one basket they've they've not understood the personal prayer language is clearly talked about by Paul I pray in tongues more than you all it builds you up it edifies you and then the public utterance in tongues where the power of God will come on someone and they will speak a message tongue and someone else will interpret we don't see that in church much today but let me tell you it can be powerful my wife, Marilyn, she came in, Catholic background, came into the AOG church at Nambour in February 1977. Walked in and it was a church that was power. Roger and Daphne were there. There was a lot of people getting saved. It was in a move of God, in the uh, charismatic move. And dozens of people got in, came into the kingdom and it was powerful. It was just so exciting. We grew from 100 to 500 over those few years and and lots of people healed delivered set free and it was just so exciting she walked in worship's happening trying to work out people's hands raised and clapping hadn't seen that and then all of a sudden someone gets up and speaks loudly in tongues over this side of the church someone else gets up over here and then interprets 
couldn't work out what was happening, but the hair went up on the back of the neck and said, God's in this house. Three weeks later, he gave a heart to Jesus. Tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. And you do yourself a huge disservice to cut that out of public meetings. We've got to get back to Bible if we want to have Bible results. Don't get clever. Let's do Bible the way God said. And I've, seen, I've got dozens of stories of people that have come into the kingdom through a sign or a wonder and through speaking in tongue. It's a spiritual sign. See, we try to make our Christianity acceptable to the mind and it never will be because the spirit has to be redeemed, not the mind. The spirit gets born again, then the mind gets renewed. And Western Christianity has pitched, pitched the message to keep the mind happy and try and convince their mind to become a Christian. We wonder why we don't see transformation. We see some people make decisions, but they're not transformed. Because we've been bought the lie, we've, we've bought that lie that we've got to get them to get convinced in their mind. No, the Holy Spirit will convince them in their mind, get their spirit renewed, born again, then the mind and their body and soul will be restored and renewed. To me, that's the gospel. And the quicker we get that back in right order, the quicker we'll see a move of God and our cities transformed. And I believe that God's showing us, and it's clear in Scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 14.22, just a few more verses on. We won't read the whole chapter. I'm just picking out a few key areas. Tongues, then, are a sign, not for the believers, but for unbelievers. It is so, so clear. And we've got clever and thought we're cleverer than the Word of God. I'm sorry, this is the truth. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers but for believers. Now it goes on and appears to contradict itself in a couple of verses, but you've got to get the whole context of it. So if the whole church come together, everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that they are out of your mind? Now if you just all speak in tongues for a couple of hours and there's nothing else going on in their own language, they're going to think, what's going on here? This is weird. But when you, how many times it happened when you start to worship in a heavenly language, new people say, what's that? It releases the presence of God and they say, what's that going on? They can't understand it, but their spirit all of a sudden starts to get touched. Goes past their mind and gets to their spirit. And that's what is, because we are, led by the Spirit of God or the sons and daughters of God. So I believe we just need to adjust our thinking on some of this back to what I would consider biblical understanding of Pentecostal ministry. And I've been this way 40 years. Those who know me know that's the truth. And I believe it's time for us to just get this in a healthy balance working in with the culture of your church and expressing it in ways. But I believe if we do this God's way, we'll see God's results. That's what I believe. Then it goes on and says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. How long since you've seen that happen in church? Wow, not too many hands, eh? Let me tell you, the prophetic can bring exhortation, edification and comfort. But as you walk in that, it will get sharper 
more powerful and carry the weight of God's spirit and will change the atmosphere. Just three weeks ago, we were at the IC conference with Pastor Paul Geeling in Brisbane. A few of you were there. I had a guy called Dr. Michael Maiden come and speak. I'd never heard of him. Wow. He's from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, he got up to preach, shared powerful story. Then he started to prophesy. As soon as he started to prophesy, the presence of God swept into that place. I just started weeping in the presence of God. Didn't even really know the people that well he was prophesying over with. But it was so clear, so powerful, so direct revelation, reading a book, bringing revelation to their lives that many were just overwhelmed by the presence of God and say, surely God is in this place. And as soon as he started to prophesy, I remembered that scripture. I said, God, I'm just witnessing that today. I've had it a few times happen when I've been ministering. I remember when I was a young guy, just started a church, pastoring in Budrum. One day I read that and I was preaching a series on, said, God, I'd love to see that happen today. You ever done those crazy things? I'm all of 29 or 30 and preaching out my heart. I'm preaching away on this sort of area. And when I finished my preaching, we just started to worship. And then I had a word of knowledge. I can't remember what it was. And next minute, this big Maori guy down the back of the building, he was in a school hall in Budrum, let out this scream and fell to his knees and started weeping his heart out. He was a backslidden Christian that came back to Christ on the back seat of that place. As I had prayed before I went to church, said, God, I'd love to see that today. That's exactly what happened. They were in the church for many years, got their life sorted out. It was like, according to your faith, let it be unto you. We just don't have enough faith to step up and believe. I was young and crazy then. Now I'm a bit older, but I'm still more passionate. I'm still crazy and passionate. I just believe that what God says can happen. And I want to stir up your faith. And so it doesn't become an occasional event, but it becomes a regular occurrence where we see the true gifts and manifestation of the Spirit that transform lives. It's very powerful. I remember we were in Budrum about three years. We had an evangelist come through and we had some crazy stuff going on. My two sons, Tim and Stephen, on the front row, they were about six and eight. And mate, it was wild. There was... And this guy was preaching and he carried an anointing for deliverance. Well, man, when Older Call came, there was just demons flying everywhere. We had, we had people out of prison on weekend leave and it was just a full-on... I mean, I'm praying for this young guy here who was into martial arts. And as I start praying for him, he hits the ground. His sister's at the other end of the Older Call. No one prayed, but she hits the ground and meets at the same time and starts to manifest as I'm setting this guy free. Next minute, the spirit of this guy grabs me and rips my shirt open and buttons fly. And my two boys are on the front cheering. They're Dad, Dad, go, Dad! <laughs> Wasn't that spiritual? But boy, it was fun, eh? They still talk about those days. <laughs> and we prayed and, and we got that guy, young guy free. He'd been in martial arts. Grew up in Christian home in Margaret, got into stuff, and he had a spirit of violence. When I started to pray for darkness to come, this, this violent spirit came and tried to choke me and rip, rip me shirt apart. And I had to speak in Jesus' name, get out! 
And so I learnt deliverance real fast when you get thrown in the deep end. My deliverance training was our pastor when I was 19 and an assistant youth leader. We had this whole big older call of people at Nambour and this young guy, backslidden Christian again, was manifesting. My pastor said, take him out and get him free because everyone else was all busy praying. I said, okay, so I'm going to have no idea what I was doing. I'm rebuking and taking authority over everything. I learned fast on the job that night. I don't recommend that. It's better to have a bit of training on the way. But I thought, wow, darkness and light is so powerful. We have the transformation guys that come to our church. And it's a drug and alcohol rehab, 12-month drug and alcohol rehab. We've got over 30, up to 35 men and women in that program now. So they come morning and night to church. They have to take notes in church and then they discuss what they learn in church on Monday night in their discussion groups. They're more diligent than nearly all of my church members. They're more regular and more diligent. But most of them, they come in, aren't saved. Some of them had no church background, never been in church in life. Some have been in prison for years. So it's great when they come in. And I just can't preach a nice sermon. If I don't have the power of God, nothing's going to happen in their lives. They've seen everything. They're just going to look and think, wow, so don't want your religion. But if they feel the power of God. And I remember we had, some of them came in a few years ago. And someone manifesting one night in the middle of a service down the front at an older call. And I'm in the middle of praying and setting this person free and the mind goes, I wonder what the transformation guys are thinking about this. You know when you're in the middle of doing something. I glance up and there's a whole row of them back there where the Jobs are sitting. The five of them are standing on their seats clapping and cheering. They're not saved yet, but they're clapping and cheering. I think, mate, this is awesome because they live in the drug world. They know darkness and now they could see light was stronger than darkness. All of them get saved in the next couple of weeks because they saw a demonstration of kingdom. I could preach all the sermons in the world, but that's what convinced them. See, it's signs and wonders. When you make room for the Holy Ghost, life gets very exciting. I don't know if this happened every week, but God is saying, just get ready because when my spirit comes, there's going to be a lot of light and darkness. And we've got to get ready for the kingdom of God to manifest. It's messy. Doesn't fit into your run sheets, but boy, it sets people free. And I just believe, and I'm a pastor of the church. I'm not an evangelist or a traveling prophet. I'm a pastor. One of the reasons I felt to put on this series of meetings was to help you as pastors and leaders see this can happen in your church as pastors and leaders. You don't have to wait to a, a, a red-hot evangelist or prophet to come through and see this stuff happen. You can have this happen regularly in your church and your city. That's my passion, to stir the church up so we get back to normal Christianity, not the weak, comfort-riven thing that we've had for a long time. Just get back to proper Holy Ghost ministry and let my kingdom flow. That's what God says. Let him build his kingdom his way. And I believe that God's going to show you. So you say, well, I don't prophesy much. Just start stepping out. And the more you do it, it's like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. You've got to use it. The more you use it, the stronger and sharper it gets. That's what I find happens to me. I was going to get Mary Lynn to share the story, what happened in the, in the home group. Tell us about the, the French lady. Just tell us about the French lady. Okay. Um, I was uh, 
my family had moved um, to a caravan park in Nambour and there was a revival, unbeknown to us, happening in the caravan park and they had, I was invited to a, a Bible study and, uh, and uh, this is after I've, I had given my life to the Lord and I just was freshly filled with the Holy Spirit and I was hungering for more for my language to develop and I'd asked the Lord to and I got alongside um, some of Josh's relatives the, these older ladies, his intercessors and they had this really full-blown tongues so I was asking God give me a tongue, give me, give me more than the baby language I've got <laughs> I want a prayer language like the old prayer ladies and so I went that night to, um, to this prayer meeting at this, in their house and there was a whole lot of uni students there, and it was always wall to wall. You just there was you know because it was was fun, <laughs> it was packed, and um, and so in the middle of the prayer time and worship time, I just felt this really strong, distinctive tongue. So I started to speak it out, and I was just speaking in tongues, and and I thought, wow, that's really cool. That sounds cool. That's a, that's a new tongue. Thank you, Jesus. And then at after the after that there was a small break and one of these young girls came up to me and she she spoke to me in French and I said look I'm sorry I can't I can't understand you I can't speak French and she said what do you mean you can't speak French you've just been talking to me in, in fluent French and then she said you don't you, you you did you just spoke to me and I said really what did I say what did I say to you and uh, she couldn't believe that I didn't understand what I'd said so how can you possibly speak in fluent French to me and and yet you've never learnt this language and and uh, and I said, I said what did I say and she said well you were explaining the way of salvation to me and you were talking about Christ Redeemer and you were you know and she went off and, and said all these things and and it impacted her so much that um, she gave her life to the Lord and it was, yeah, it was a, just a witness that I was, uh, not only did I get a really cool tongue, she got saved. So. <laughs> Let's give praise to God. I've got dozens of those stories in the journey of my life because tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. It, it's not the only way, but it's one of the ways that God gets people's attention because signs and wonders, sign, what are signs that they point somewhere? They point to Jesus. And wonders get people wondering, wow, is God real? Does he really love me? Can he change my life? That's what happens when the supernatural comes. We need to keep moving along. So I believe God wants us to, some important keys in prophecy and gifts of spirit. Eagerly desire and hunger for prophecy and the gifts of spirit to flow in your life and your church. Be a door opener. Just believe God. Start where you are, whatever your level of faith is, and just believe it. You don't have to get up. And do like I'm doing and prophesying publicly over people because that's a bit scary. I'll talk about that in a moment, the levels of faith. Ask God to teach you to discern his voice and leading. You're not going to prophesy or move in any words of knowledge or gifts of spirit if you don't really know whether it's the voice of the Holy Spirit or your voice or someone else's thoughts. That's where you've got to learn what is the voice of the Holy Spirit. You've got to know that yourself. This took me about 12 months to learn when I was a new Christian. I thought it was just my thoughts. I'd be in a meeting and all of a sudden all this stuff would start running through my head. I think, oh, that's cool. And then someone else would get up and prophesy or the preacher would get up and these first two points would be all that I just had flowing through my head. I thought, that must have been the Holy Spirit. I was a real slow learner. It took me about 12 months to get this clear. 
After I'd been in a service, my heart would be pounding with a specific word. Maybe I'd see a picture of a waterfall or a waves on a beach or a bonfire or something. God would show me a picture and then he'd give me a word what it meant. I was too scared to speak because I just thought, wow, that'd be silly. What if I get it wrong? You know, so you go through all of these fears. It was then confirmed through others. Often when I, the other way I learned most was when I'd be praying for people at the altar or in the home group. You just pray and then you just feel led to pray about their family or this or that. And then they'd, you'd open your eyes, they'd be crying. Well, they'd say, how did you know to pray about that? I said, well, it must have been the Holy Spirit. That was the quickest way I learned what was the Holy Spirit and what was not. So I quickly learned then, I wised up a bit and learned how the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Often the prophetic word can come with a flow of spontaneous thoughts, a vision, a scripture, a theme or key word flowing through in the worship or in the meeting. It can flow in all sorts of ways. Sometimes you'll remind you of a person that you've known in the past and you'll think about that person you think, now why am I thinking about that person? Then you'll remember a key characteristic or an experience in their life and all of a sudden you know. This happened about three months ago. I was in church and I started to think in the middle of worship about Hayden who got miraculously healed in our church in an Al Fury meeting um, 13 years ago. I remember Al had a word, word of knowledge that someone had had a major injury in their back and and. He got into, He was standing down the back and Al said, just to show you this is really the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to go and pray for him. Whoever's near him, just touch him and when they do, he'll get healed. So one of the guys reached out and touched him. He was standing right down the back corner. Instantly, he got totally healed and he's running around our church. Just He hadn't worked for seven years, been on lots of painkillers. He now runs a cleaning business, been doing that for 13 years, totally healed. I'm thinking about this, haven't thought about it for years, about three months ago in church. I'm thinking... Hayden, his back got healed. There must be someone here today that needs healing for their back. That's how the Holy Spirit got my attention. Sure enough, we prayed for people and God really touched some people that day. I know some miracles started that day. It was, that was how it happened. So it, often we have all these thoughts go through and we don't realize the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention all the time. And we just put them aside. Learn to ask and listen. And ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you whether it's, he'll confirm it. Sometimes you'll, uh, sometimes you get a physical feeling. Sometimes words of knowledge or I'll just feel hot or cold. Sometimes I've been, I put my hands up like antenna. When I worship, they are my antenna going up into the spirit realm like I talked about this afternoon. They're my receivers. Like the mobile phone receives my... Years ago, God just taught me this simple thing. Put your hands up when the worship's on and I'll start to show you what I want to do in the service today. That's what I do every service. Whether I'm feeling great or tired or got a great message or feeling really not confident that day, my hands go up and I say, Holy Spirit, what are you up to today? I say, what do you want to speak to me and what do you want to speak through me? Because sometimes God just wants to encourage you. And when I was younger, I used to try and work out, what's, is this word just to bless me or is it for me to share with someone else? And my youth pastor years ago taught me this principle. He said, if it's just for you, ask the Holy Spirit to make it really clear and strong and then the anointing will subside. If it's for someone else, it'll keep getting stronger and stronger and you know it's to pass on. It was a very simple thing and it's worked for me every time. 
I'm sharing very practically here because sometimes we've been ministers for years and no one's actually explained how this worked. I remember when I first was at Budrum, we had, we had one prophet guy through. He was just amazing. He'd point people all over the church. They'd get instantly healed or fall down under the power of God. And I had him for lunch. I said, how do you do that? He wouldn't tell me the rat. <laughs> he was from another country. He didn't, he didn't want to reveal his secrets of how God spoke to him. I'm thinking, you're crazy. No matter how, what angle I came, there was no way he would divulge to me how he saw that and how it worked. Need to say, I never had him back at our church again to preach. <laughs> I thought, if you're not going to share what God's given you, I'm not having you back. I wasn't trying to steal it. I was trying to learn to get sharper myself. Whatever God shows you in the Spirit, share it with others because the more you share, the more he'll trust you. So teach your people. Don't hold on to it. It's a free gift from God. Hey, gifts are meant to be shared. Teach, share it, share your stories like I'm doing tonight and it will inspire others and some of them will go past you. That's great, cheer them on. They'll move and see greater signs and wonders than maybe you ever do but you are the one who started them on the journey and sowed the seed and you'll get reward as well. Let's have large hearts. It's gifts of the Holy Spirit. Next thing is it always takes a step of faith to speak prophetically. Every gift of the Spirit will take a step of faith. Because it's supernatural. Your mind will regularly say, is this the right time to do it? God will give you wisdom. The next thing I learned was always to ask God for wisdom, what to do with it. It always takes faith and you need wisdom. I've seen people get words from God and then mess it up terribly because they do it in the wrong way, wrong time. Sometimes God will show you something and you sit on it and pray for three weeks before you say anything. God's given it so you can intercede better. You don't bowl up to it and say, God's shown me this about you and they're not ready to receive it and all of a sudden they're angry and upset. And Ask the Holy Spirit wisdom. What do I do with this? Do I pray on this? Do I talk to them? Do I talk to a leader? What do I do with this? It's not about you. It's the gift and the goal is the intended result. It's not about you and how spiritual you might look in the journey. It's about him and the person. It's not about you takes faith. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to it, the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Wow, and how do you grow in faith? By using what you've got. I had to just learn to step out when I was a young guy and some, the safe place was in a, a home group. We had a a singer, and we used to get together and worship. And I remember we all learned to sing songs in the Spirit. And we learned to hear the voice of the Spirit just with a guitar or two going. And, and God taught us so much. Alan Sage was in that group. And for some of the guys know Sagey. And, and he helped teach us and make room for us. Every Monday night we got together and prayed for a couple of years for this singing group to worship. And I learned how to move in the Spirit. In home groups I learned how to be, hear the voice of the Spirit and pray and prophesy. And then I got confidence to do it in church. And so make safe places for people to learn. And we'll talk about that a bit tomorrow of how we've done that in our life groups. And Doug will share a bit more about that tomorrow. The Amplified of Romans 12, 6 says, If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed. So it takes faith. This is the one reason why some people don't step out more often because they just are too scared they might blow it. I was like that for about 12 months, but God used to come so strong on me, I thought I was going to burst. 
I thought it was going to burst sometimes. And I found it was easy to obey and not burst. It was easy to obey and not try and reason it all out. So I've become bolder and clearer as the years have gone on just because I've kept using it. There's been times when it's run much stronger than others. I remember I was that prophet guy that used to come through. I was about 20 or 21 when he came through once. And I was a youth pastor and we were having a youth camp. We had about 50 young people. And I said, as I'm driving to camp, I said, Lord, I'm going to believe a prophetic word for every young person here this weekend. 50 of them. Man, he had about four meetings. I thought, mate, that's, that's 12, that's 13 a meeting. That's going to be a lot of prophecies. But by the end of that camp, I had God to give me a word for every one of those young people. And there was someone over the side writing them all down and handing them out to everyone so they didn't forget. And I thought, mate, I must have been crazy to do that. But it stretched my faith to believe. And some of you are more prophetic by gifting and nature. I'm using prophecy as an example because often prophecy is one of the easiest and first gifts of the Spirit to use. Because it teaches you to hear from the voice of God. When you get the prophetic flowing, he will then start to sometimes step you into words of knowledge and the miracles of healing and the supernatural breakthroughs and the gift of faith that takes you. I remember Hayden, this guy I was telling you about, his wife couldn't have a baby and she was in and out of hospital and constantly bleeding and was just, and the doctor said, you'll never have a child from just a horrific background. One morning probably about two years after Hayden got healed of his back we're here in church we're about the second service I glanced around just to see who was walking through the door and his wife Sharon walks through the door and as clear as a bell I wasn't thinking about the Holy Spirit said today is her day whoa I got really excited today's her day so the worship lead is happening and and then when my turn to get up, and then I'm praying, say, Lord, what's my part in her receiving her miracle? That was my next question. What's my part? If God's shown me that, then I've got some part, either praying or being the one who calls her out and speaks a word of healing. So sure enough, I think Kerian was leading and we were singing some amazing song, whatever we sang back those years. <laughs> and when I got up, I said, Sharon, I'd like to pray for you today. I believe God wants to touch you. I wasn't quite bold enough to say, God's going to heal you right now. I didn't quite have that level of faith, but I knew he was going to do something. So I called her out, and as soon as I walked over and touched her, the fire of God, the, the gift of faith went through me. And I knew she was healed. It was like I couldn't even conceive that she wasn't healed. That's a gift of faith. Most times we pray and hope, every now and then the gift of faith kicks in and you know that you know and it's almost impossible to believe it's not going to happen. That's when the gift, I often say, Lord, why doesn't that happen every week? That would be awesome. If I'm here and I look around, today's their day. Only happens occasionally. But I believe the days are coming where that's going to become more normal. And so I looked and I knew. We prayed for her. Something happened. She went back to the doctor a week or two later. Things improved. Months later, she got pregnant and had a baby and her story was in the Women's Weekly all over Australia because it was impossible for her to have a baby. They're still in our church and Jessica's now 13, I think. Comes along to youth group. That came from a gift of faith God gave me 
And I wasn't even looking for it. I was just busy worshipping Jesus. But I'd learned to tune my heart to just be available in case he wants to say something. So that's why every meeting I come into, you say, how did you get those prophetic words for people tonight? I didn't have them when I arrived. Had a nice dinner with Josh and my wife and thinking about the meeting, but I didn't have anything written down. I always carry a notepad with me. That's why I have a notepad or pieces of paper and I'm ready to write down because if there's any more than two, I start forgetting them. Or you get them mixed up. I've had that happen occasionally. You get four or five and then, oh, that didn't quite work so well. <laughs> so it was only one. Sometimes I only get one word for a person. Sometimes I'll look at someone and I see a word over the top of their head. Faith or strength or freedom. They're easy to remember. But when it starts to get a few lines and they're going to write books and they're going to do this and so I had five written down tonight while the worship's happening. I just put my hands up and say, Holy Spirit, what are you up to tonight? Who do you want to speak to? And I'm available if you want to speak through me. It's a subconscious choice and deliberate attitude of the Spirit to say, Lord, I'm ready for you to flow through me. And then according to your faith level and whatever happens, sometimes I rarely do I have a service where I don't get something now. And then how I express it varies. So in a normal Sunday service, I don't do what I did here every Sunday. But quite often, I'll pray for the sick or have a prophetic word before I preach. Because the atmosphere goes from here to here, and then everyone's all ears to hear the word, and it's so easy to preach. You don't need as many U-butte jokes and illustrations to get people's attention, because the Holy Spirit's got them all right in there, and you just go for the word. makes ministry so much easier. That's how I live. I'm not smart enough to do all the clever stuff. (laughs) I'm just not. So I write those things down. And then I say, Holy Spirit, where does this fit? Last Sunday morning, I don't know, it just came the second service. Worship just took off. Presence of God was so powerful. Rachel, our daughter, was leading. And there was just this river. I started writing. I had about 10 words written. I thought, Lord, I'm not going to do any preaching if I give all those. I gave a few of them, preached, gave a few more at the altar call, and then I was running out to catch people after the service to give them the rest of the prophetic words that I ran out of time to give in the service. That doesn't happen every week, but last Sunday it was just like this river took off. I'm thinking, wow, Lord, it makes ministry so exciting. Let me tell you, it's not a boring sermon wondering, did I connect with the people today or not? And then you think, oh, God, what happened? Holy Spirit-inspired ministry can be the most exciting way to do life in ministry. The devil will contend with you. He will try and distract you, get you off target. The most challenging one I ever had with prophecy, I was at, a few years ago in Budrum, there was a couple sitting over there in the, and I had this word on a Sunday night, it was so clear. And before I preached, I said, that couple over there, I'd like to give you a word. And as loud as in, the guy yelled out, no way, put his hand up. He didn't want to be received from God. I thought, what do I do now? Because she's begging me to give the word. And he says, no way, out publicly. I'm thinking, now I'm stranded. I'm in right in the middle. <laughs> what do I do? I said, Holy Spirit, what do I do? He said, amend the word and give what you can so she can be blessed. And he's going to miss out. So that's what I did. She came up afterwards and thanked me and said, that was so clear. I thought, you poor lady, I could have given you more, but he refused to receive it and it blocked the rest. 
they were visiting from New Zealand on holidays and God was trying to get their attention. He was a backslidden Christian and God was trying to call him back. I thought, Lord, that was the scariest one. I thought, what do I do? Whichever way I go, I could lose credibility real fast in church. The gifts of the Spirit can open up lives like nothing else. We've all seen ones that have gone wrong. Talk about that in a minute. And that's why some of us are scared. You've had someone prophesy of you and it was weird and wacky and not even close. You're thinking, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Don't close off your heart. Just get wiser. But God's spirit flows. I remember a, a couple walked into a church years ago and as they walked through the door, I'd never met them before. The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to call them into ministry and they're going to be pastors. I'm thinking, I can't tell them that. I don't even know who they are. I don't even know if they're saved. I wrestled with God all night on that word. I'm trying to preach and do the rest. Well, God wouldn't let up all night. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So I modified it a bit so that I didn't feel like I was going to put them under pressure in case they weren't even saved. But I still told them. And they were from a uniting church and they came in and God arrested them with that word and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They ended up going through Alpha Crucis and then being an ACC pastor for about 10 years and now they're retired. Still good friends. They walked in that night looking for the life of the Spirit. And I could have explained that away and thought, oh, I can't do that. I've learnt just to obey with wisdom. Sometimes my faith's been bold. Other times it's been a bit hesitant. But... Most times I step out and have a go. And sometimes God will give you a word a long time before. Prophetic is often spontaneous and fairly, but sometimes he'll prepare you weeks before. I was at IC conference three weeks ago, and God gave me two words, one for their church and one for a member of the congregation. And I'm in the crowd, and Dr. Michael Maiden's up there probably, well, I'm not going to interrupt him, you know. <laughs> So I wrote them down because I knew two weeks later I was going to be preaching at their church. So I wrote them down and kept them in my diary. And last Sunday week ago, I was preaching at IC Church. And sure enough, the right person was there, called them out. And I had a word for the church. And it was exactly, I didn't know, it was exactly where they're at. And everyone's jumping on their feet, cheering, and yelling, yay, yay. And I thought, well, I must have hit the right spot on that one. <laughs> God gave to me two weeks before, and I just sat on it and waited. So it's learning discernment and wisdom. Have I got it wrong? Yep, sometimes. Not badly, because I've been fairly cautious. But God's very gracious. And if you get it wrong, usually it's with a mature Christian, they say, well, I can see your heart's desire. That, that and that was right, but that just wasn't quite right. I said, okay. I realized I was a bit hesitant on that. Just don't squash people. Teach and gently encourage. The fact they were willing to step out and have a go... Church has got to be a safe place to learn the gifts of spirit. If you can learn to do them here, then God will trust you out in the marketplace. So you need faith. The different levels. Let's keep moving. To speak an encouraging prophetic word to an individual at an altar or in a counseling or prayer group is one level of faith. Very safe. Sometimes then you need to bring a prophetic word in a larger public setting, example a church meeting. Sometimes God will give you a specific prophetic word to a person publicly like I did tonight. And then the fourth area of faith is to give a prophetic word to someone who's not yet a Christian out in the marketplace. That takes even more faith because you're not the music's not playing and if you miss it, you're in real trouble. <laughs> in real big trouble. But boy, it's so exciting. 
I, remember, I worked in a bank for years and I remember lunch times. There were times when we'd just be in conversation. Next minute there'd be a conversation and the Holy Spirit would say, ask him about this. Whenever he'd do that, I thought, oh no, this is going to be another journey. You'd ask him and they'd immediately say, how did you know and burst out crying? I'm thinking, oh God. Now we're in ministry session. Five minutes before lunch is finished, they're crying. How are we going to get them back on the telling counter? Because they're encountering Jesus in the back lunchroom. That used to happen not every week, but regularly. And I thought, Lord, this is crazy because you carry the anointing wherever you go. Church is where you learn to do it in a safe place and then he can trust you. Because it's to bring comfort, edification and love and hope to people. And boy, people in the world need that more than ever. And you, you carry something and it can break open people's lives like that. And doorways come to people's worlds that are just... We'll beat 10 hours of trying to convince them to come to church. One prophetic word can open a person's soul up like that. Done in love, with grace. So it takes faith. We took a long time to get through that point. Let's, let's finish off quickly. Love must be your motivation and bring a prophetic word to an individual personal group. Jesus was often moved with compassion. I wrote this statement, you can only influence or change what you love. Don't ever use prophecy or gifts of spirit to try and get even. Occasionally I've seen people do that and I thought, well, you're in dangerous territory. Trying to publicly rebuke someone with a word of so-called word of prophecy is a real coward's way of trying to sort something out in the church. Have the courage to speak to them personally and don't ever misuse the gifts of spirit to bring retribution or judgment or correction. Only a true prophet occasionally God will use to bring reproof, but there will be a whole lot of love and encouragement in the journey as well. Wow. The focus is not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit, on the personal group that you're ministering to. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter on love. And guess what? It's between chapters 12 and 14, which are all about the gifts of the Spirit. That says a whole lot. Love is to be the motivation for everything you do. In anything of the supernatural. Love will cause you to show respect and submission to the delegated leadership of the group or meeting. I've got a word from God. Don't just barge in and take over. How do you do that in larger churches? If someone in our church, we, our, we often allow prophecy to flow. Often it's our worship team or our key leaders. From time to time, someone in the congregation will have a word. They might come and talk to us and say, hey, God's showing me this. If it's in line with what God's doing, we'll sometimes get them to speak into the microphone. And say, hey, that's really in line with what my sermon is, so I'll use that as part of my message. Because sometimes you just can't fit it all in. And sometimes it's out there, so you just say, thank you very much. (laughs) I don't think that's going to fit today. And then you have a little chat to them after. Say, hey, tell me what the journey was of how you felt you got there. Because sometimes it might be a beautiful teaching moment on the journey. It might have been a word God was trying to give them and they thought it was someone else. If you don't talk to them, you miss that discipling moment in their lives. Maturity. The spirit of prophet is subject to the prophet. 1 Corinthians 39, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Here's a very important point. The message that God wants to speak or demonstrate comes through a person. So any gift of the spirit is a partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. The word from God is pure and powerful and truth, but it comes through an impure vessel. So any prophetic word will have a little bit of you, your personality, your experience, your heart, your faith level in that word. 
That's not wrong. But when someone has a bit more of them in it than the Spirit and they get it a bit wrong, don't say, God got it wrong. Usually the person just didn't know how to interpret it or communicate it with maturity and wisdom. That's where teaching and discipleship comes in again to help people grow in maturity. It flows through our humanity, our personality and mind. Many of you would have seen prophecies from older Pentecostal and new Christians where it's become awkward because of the excessive way they delivered the prophecy. Roger and Daphne remember this. Old Mrs. Cuscoff from Nambour Church. She was from the old Holy Rollers. And the anointing would come on, she'd start to heave. And she'd start going on and we'd be on the front seat thinking, what's coming next? You're wondering whether she's going to sort of live through the end of her prophecy because she's pulled out there and takes it. And then her hand would start to shake with him. Wow, this is out there, you know? This is just the way she did her prophecy. Or one of my uncles, I remember one of my uncles, he had a deep booming voice. And every now and then we'd be, there'd be a quiet spot. We'd come in the, in the worship and he'd, he'd yell out, Be holy! And we'd all, the fear of God would come and we'd all be hiding under the seats and thinking, oh God. <laughs> I never forgot that. I thought, God, I don't want to have that sort of effect on people where it's awkward or weird. But sadly, some of us have pulled back from the prophetic because we've had one or two of those moments thinking, hey, we'll just, we'll make it safe so we won't have any of that. I know I've talked with pastors and they do it. I think that is sad because you're quenching the spirit. Mm. let's find safe ways to do it. Ways to release the Spirit of God. God develops maturity in us that strengthens our character to live with integrity, purifying our motives. The Holy Spirit sets you free to be yourself so that you can be authentic and natural. This helps people receive the message from God and they are not distracted by your personality or emotions. I used to get so excited. Sometimes I'd come out too passionately and I knew I had the word of God, but some people couldn't receive it because it used to swamp them. And I've had to learn to remove some of the emotion and let the passion come from the spirit and have appropriate emotion for... Sometimes I start crying as I'm giving a word because it's just so real. That's okay. Just don't have the emotion or your soul overwhelming the word. Let it be a connecting point of humanity, but not something that overrules. And that's where sometimes we've just got to learn how to do that better. God's grace will often, grace will often throw through you when you're feeling discouraged or tired. How awesome's God? You come in with a headache, you're worn out, your sermon's only half prepared, and in the middle of the worship, God gives you a prophetic word. I think, mate, is that you, Lord? He said, yep, I'm going to flow through you regardless of how you feel today. I think that's grace. That's grace. Or you preach a measure, you think, mate, that was just terrible. You forgot half your points, you left page three at home, and, you <laughs> and page four from last week's sermon got in the middle of it. <laughs> You're thinking, this is terrible. And then three people get saved at the end of the message. You say, <laughs> that's grace. <laughs> and your prayer team have been praying extra that week to get you over the line. I thank God we serve a God of grace because do you know the gifts are called the charismata which are grace gifts that's where charismatic comes from 
So they're grace gifts. None of us deserve them. None of them do it all right. But they are a demonstration of the grace of God. How awesome is that? That is just so beautiful. Well, we're going to try and wrap this up. When you feel down, you realize that it has more to do with you trusting him and less to do with your abilities. God will sometimes speak through little kids. He'll sometimes speak through new Christians or hardly saved Christians. (laughs) How did you get that from God? Occasionally, he'll even use people who are not even saved to speak a word from God. Don't close it off. Here's a little interesting thing. I've seen some insecure leaders exaggerate a prophetic word over a young person by telling them they'll be leading a church of thousands and putting huge pressure on that person. They were trying too hard to impress others out of their own insecurity. And too much of their insecure soul came with what might have been a genuine word from God. Let's make sure we don't fall into those traps. And if we see it happening, have the courage to process it and walk it through with the person. And let's teach them. Find out how, how does this work better? If they won't receive teaching, that's another story. Another thing that discredits prophecies is putting specific time frames when God has not clearly shown you that. Wow, this has discredited so many prophets and prophecies when they put specific time frames and it doesn't happen. If you do a prophecy with a specific time frame and it doesn't happen, you need to apologize to the people. Rarely do I hear that happen, but that's the only way to get credibility back. Hmm. Don't hear that very often, do you? But that's the way to restore credibility. Saying, hey, I had a word from God. Somehow my soul and spirit got mixed in it and I got too excited and I put a time frame that clearly wasn't from God. Very quiet out there right now, eh? So I'm very careful. I don't put time on my prophecies very often unless God very, very specifically gives it. Occasionally it'll just come... And say, within a week, a job will open. And if I get that, I know it's going to happen. And sure enough, within a week, they ring me and say, it's happened. I say, well, thank God. It did. <laughs> so I don't put time frames on it very often. You've really got to know. That's from God. It's safer not to do it unless God very, very... Don't give up on prophecy just because someone exaggerates or is inaccurate. Be available for the Holy Spirit to flow through you in any of the gifts or in fresh and new ways. Guys, can we just hand out this little brochure to, as we finish tonight? I've got a little brochure here on, on Holy Spirit baptism. How to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. And it gives you um, seven, seven steps on helping people get filled with the Holy Spirit out of John 7, 37 to 39. You can have one each. You can take it and use it. It's not all original. Um, there's ten, then there's 10 points scripturally of the purpose and value of speaking in other tongues. I often give this to people that get filled with the Spirit in our church to help them understand what's happened and how they can grow in it. Um, the 10 benefits I think originally came from uh, Kenneth Hagen. He wrote a little booklet on it and some of the other stuff I've put together from wherever. So it's not original, but you can take it, no copyright on it, and run it off or 
adjust it, do whatever. But I find having a reason that is really good when people get filled with the Spirit because they just don't understand what's going on. And I want to encourage you, don't be afraid of the supernatural or people getting filled with the Spirit. I get rung up occasionally and say, can you come to our church and preach for a weekend because we've got a whole pile of people ready to get filled with the Spirit. I said, no, I won't come for that because you should do it. If I show up at a church and I'm there for ministry or whatever and the Holy Spirit nudges my heart or I say, hey, we've got a few people who aren't filled with the Spirit and they're hungry. I said, that's okay. We'll do that as part of the altar call tonight. As pastors, I encourage you to regularly pray for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit. When people get baptized in water, we believe for everyone to come up out of the water speaking in tongues. We talk about it. You're going to get baptized in water and we're going to believe for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. Not everyone does, but a whole pile do because it just takes a little bit of faith, a little bit of explanation. And regularly, probably once every couple of months, sometimes even more, on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, we'll make response time for people who want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Rarely is there none. Sometimes there's six or eight or ten. Sometimes it happens really fast. I had a guy come and see me a few weeks ago. He was in a crisis, a real mess in his life and family. I'm thinking, I'm not sure how this is going to go. He said, I've got a whole lot of stuff to sort out in my world, but I've come to see you. I said, why you come to see me today? He said, I need some spiritual help. I said, okay. I ended up leading him in a fresh prayer of commitment. And I said, do you speak in tongues? You need some power in your life. He says, no. I said, are you open to him? He says, yeah, I have thought about it a few times. I said, would you like to today? He said, yep. I said, let's go. Gave him a two-minute explanation. Prayed for him. 30 seconds later, he was speaking in tongues and the power of God flowed in his life. It's helped rescue him a couple of times in, in his crisis he's walking through. He said, you need some power. You need, to, you need some spiritual power to pray about what you're going through with Holy Spirit help because you can't pray with a clear mind in the middle of all this. You can do that. Any of us can do it. We need to look for that. You know, if people aren't full of the Holy Ghost, make room for it because that can be the key that will connect them to God and save the next 25 hours counselling. They might need a few sessions to help get some things in order, but get the Holy Ghost working in their life and he'll start to sort out truth in their soul. And then some appropriate support or counselling may be helpful to get them through the journey and sort out their marriage or whatever. That little brochure, we're not going to go through it. The key scripture is John seven thirty-seven to 39. The last day, Jesus got up and prayed. Out of innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. So there's seven points out of that. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus, drink. Out of innermost being, talk about your spirit, it's not your head. Will flow rivers of living water and tongues is one of the signs that there's a river flowing. Very, very simple. A two-minute explanation of that, I find a whole pile of people get filled with the Spirit just like that. They just need a little bit of simple understanding and it will help. Wow, God is good. Do we have any musicians left or are they all gone home? They're all here. Oh, bless you guys. Come on up. I know time's getting on, but this is amazing what God's doing. Any questions while they're coming up on prophecy or gifts of spirit? Any questions you'd like to ask?
Mm. Well, you can discuss them over supper tonight. Tomorrow, we start at 9 o'clock sharp. Find somewhere good for breakfast. Tomorrow, we'll do a couple of breakout sessions. We're going to talk about the, fi- the five-fold ministry gift in Ephesians 4. And how do we help build the church on the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teacher? And how does that connect with and link to modern day church teaching on leadership? You don't hear much teaching on that. So that's going to be an interesting time of sharing that. We're going to also talk some more about how do you make room for the Holy Spirit to flow in your services? And I'll get uh, Marilyn to share and Doug's going to talk about how we do Holy Spirit ministry in our life groups. And we want to do some really practice stuff that's going to help us get better or encourage you in what you're doing already. And some of you are doing amazing in areas, but I've learned, we come with a teachable heart, we all learn something. Why don't we all stand? I just think just for a few minutes before we finish tonight... I just want us to open our hearts for a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Maybe as we've shared tonight, you're saying, wow, God stirred my heart sometimes to step out in those gifts. And sometimes I've done it, it's been amazing. Other times I've tried and it just, uh, it was just embarrassing or I didn't quite know what to do. We're just going to sing Holy Spirit, we make room. I'm going to invite as many as would like to just to come and stand or kneel around the altar just for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I just want you to fly. For some of you, God stirred some faith to get those gifts of the Spirit activated again in your life or your church or to make room and make way for it. Maybe you need to talk to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've settled for less in this area and I've realized I've seen some wacky stuff go on. So I've actually pulled back and And I've quenched your spirit. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? We won't go there now, but it's very good to understand what that means. Why don't we just take a few minutes. If you want to come and stand or kneel at the altar, just just as a step and say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. I want to fly. Speak in that heavenly language. Let's just worship. Just a few minutes. Let's come and seek God together. wasn't right. It was wrong timing or just... You just knew it was mixture and wasn't right. And it really, it, the words I get it, it publicly embarrassed you in front of your church or a group of people. And something turned, you made an inner vow inside saying, God, I'm going to be really cautious about this stuff. And you have been ever since, but it's quenched the flow of the Spirit in your soul to a measure. God still uses you, flows through you, but it's quenched a freedom and a faith in the Spirit. And I just believe the Holy Spirit's highlighting that tonight for you to just talk to God about that and let it go. Saying, Lord, just heal my heart. Let it go. Holy Spirit, release me because I want to flow in all you've got for me. If that's you, right where you are, just reach out to God and say, Lord, I, I release that right now. There's two or three people who I just feel it right now. Just surrender it to God. Just surrender it right now. The Holy Spirit's going to lift that public shame and embarrassment off you. And it's hindered you having bold faith to step out and move in the Spirit. 
Just release that right now. Lord, I release healing. I release healing right now. I release that over these men and women right now. In Jesus' name, release them right now. Lord, we give that situation. Lord, we forgive that person. Lord, we release that. Holy Spirit, right now, lift that off their soul. Lord, let a freedom come right now over their spirit. A freedom right now in the Holy Ghost. A freedom right now in the Spirit. Release right now. Release right now. God, we release that right now in the soul. Oh, Holy Ghost, just release. Release. Release right now. Right now in the Spirit of God, just release. Oh, God, I lift that off. I lift that off. Lord, set his soul free right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Free. Just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. In atmosphere, this is what the Holy Spirit does. His surgery and releases hearts. Lord, lift that off some people's souls right now. That fear of man, I loose that off their soul right now and I release your freedom and your presence in the name of Jesus. I also see several other pastors here and you've had one or two evangelists or prophetic ministries through years ago and they caused some unhealthy stuff in your church and you've been very cautious about inviting anyone of that sort of ministry into your church since I'm going to talk some more about that tomorrow but I believe the Holy Spirit saying you need to give that to God and talk that through with God don't cause your people to miss out on some of the equipping and flow because someone or a couple of people did it wrong years ago. The Holy Spirit, will. you're now more mature, you've got better discernment, but I, the, you need to face that fear and find safe people that move in those realms of spirit that your people need to see happen in your church. Don't be a gatekeeper and keeping out what should be coming in. Open the gate and the door for the right ones and keep the gate closed for ones that are clearly self-promoting or out of line. But the lines have got blurred because something happened years ago and the Spirit of God said, you need to talk that through with me because I'm going to show you a way to move forward. Holy Ghost. Oh God, you're so good. For some of you, I just see a joy coming in your heart. You're going to step out and just get amazing joy as you pray in the Spirit and start to pray and step out. You're going to have just amazing joy. People are going to say, wow, that is so awesome. There's a joy in a freedom. I see a joy coming in some of your lives and churches because the Holy Ghost is just 
made more room and you're stepping out and flowing. I just see joy. I see joy. I see joy bubbling up and overflowing your families and your people. I see joy coming and restoring some of your older saints. I see joy coming and renewing their faith. I see joy coming to new Christians that are going to experience the overflow of the power of the Spirit of God and it will be like an adrenaline in their soul that is better than any other hit they've ever had in life because it's the joy of the Holy Ghost that will satisfy and strengthen their heart. The joy of the Lord will be their strength. It'll be your strength because the river will flow. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for just speaking and teaching and instructing us in your ways. Lord, help us to take from this what you want us to take from it. There may be a story, there may be a scripture, there may be a word of wisdom that will just continue to ring in our hearts tonight and in the weeks and months ahead. Lord, bless your people. Give us an awesome rest, great fellowship, and give us an amazing day in your house tomorrow. Awesome name of Jesus. Let's give him praise. What an awesome God. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.